On today's show, you're gonna learn how to track the most important KPIs for your salespeople. Now, today we have some awesome content here from EGIA's very own Mr. Drew Cameron. Drew's gonna talk about how to track the most important KPIs for your sales team. Take it away, Drew. Thank you, Weldon, and welcome to the EJA Contractor University studio. I am your host for today's episode of Cracking the Code, Drew Cameron with Flow Odyssey, and we're going to talk specifically today about the elevated consumer buying experience. And we're going to be on the topic of metrics and KPIs. <clears throat> and this is part one of two episodes. And so on the website, on the EGI website, we've got a ton of KPIs and metrics for every department. Gary uh, Alex has done an amazing job uh, uh, constructing or deconstructing what the KPIs should be for every department within your business. But in this episode, I want to take a deeper dive specifically on the KPIs and metrics that you can and should expect from your comfort advisors, your in-home salespeople, not technicians. This is not for selling technicians or um, technicians that happen to, you know, do happen to sell. Uh, that's a different role and a uh, different animal, if you will, altogether. This is for the comfort advisor, the in-home sales professional that runs leads, may run some technician-generated leads, but also runs marketed leads. So let's go ahead and take a look at the content that we've got to share. All right, so I always say start with the end in mind. If we understand what the outcome is that we're looking for, we can gamify our process, which we have done on the elevated consumer buying experience, both in the sales execution training that we've done and the elevated consumer buying experience training that we've done. And so if you haven't been through those, don't be surprised if your results may vary from what it is that I'm going to share with you. All right, so metric and KPI page number one, we're gonna talk about you know, when we go ahead and we resolve a situation um, and we approach, you know, we approach in the home and we go ahead with a problem focused outcome, like we're going to go ahead and focus on the problem and resolve that problem. And we're not selling things, we're selling experiences like we talk about in the elevated consumer buying experience. We're not selling boxes, we're selling complete solutions, not temporary fixes. Um, and so when we see that, what we can expect is that when we run these leads, about 10% of the people aren't going to buy from you for any reason or no reason at all. So you should go in expecting to close 100% of the opportunities you know, that you run. I call those, you know, they're not going to buy for any reason or no reason. Then 10% of the people aren't going to buy from you because of how the company positions itself. The messaging, the branding, uh, the price points, the markets that you serve, the products that you serve and don't serve. From there, we get into what we call a comfort advisor judgment. I believe that's about 5%. I, I trust my salespeople when they go in a house, if they see an opportunity and the customer or the home or the scope of work is not a good fit from our company, for our company, to make a judgment call on their behalf and the company's behalf to look out for you know, all of our mutual best interests there. From there, I believe you get about 20% for just showing up and being professional. Number one, being on time, being dressed appropriately, and being courteous and respectful throughout the entire process. You're gonna go ahead and close business just cause you're in business. And that's that 20% right there. From there, you're gonna get another 15% if you're compelling providing more value, teaching the customers how to buy and telling them where the source of value comes from. The source of value is not in the box, it's not in the things, it comes from the contractor who designs the solution and then has the people and processes to do things differently than anybody else that they're considering and offers you know, better warranties and guarantees to not only remove the risk but to reverse the risk. 
From there, I believe you can get another 15% if you're good at ex uh, exercising leverage. And what is leverage? Utilization of payment plans, financing. And that is not just the 0% stuff, going ahead with the uh, long-term low interest stuff, credit cards, and even leasing nowadays. You're gonna make what you made a valuable, a valuable, you're gonna now make it affordable, and you're gonna remove the risk with your warranties and guarantees and peace of mind protections. From there, I believe, if you have some promotions out there and some incentives, and I allow uh, my salespeople to go ahead and build value in what it is we do, we never discount price, but we may add some extra value to a job, like uh, extending the warranty, adding a little bit of maintenance, throwing in a, uh, a filter or something like that to enhance the value package without discounting dollar for dollar. Um, we go ahead and with those buying incentives and marketing promotions that we put out there, we can go ahead and show the affordability. So that includes rebates from utilities, rebates from manufacturers, um, tax credits that might come along at some point, as well as showing the affordability with those uh, financing. Uh, plans and the incentives that says, hey, now is a great time to go ahead and do this. And so, again, you're not going to have that year round, but you're going to have that multiple times throughout the year. And then I believe, most importantly, if you limit the number of opportunities that you give salespeople and then you track those uh, opportunities in a lead tracking system day to day, every piece of activity has to be scheduled with a date and time, phone call follow-ups. There is no such thing as an email or text follow-up. You need to be either showing up on the job or uh, communicating verbally with the customer or via Zoom uh, is fine. And we put those onto the calendar. And we, we make sure that we focus in on those, right? And so uh, there might be some uh, operational situations or uh, you know, temporary situations that we're dealing with you know, as well. Um, but again, we're going to go ahead and uh, make sure that everything is taken into consideration and scheduled onto the um, calendar. It doesn't matter uh, what happens with the calendar as far as the dates and the temperatures outside, okay? Operational excellence never changes. We should never change what we expect from our people. And therefore, when you add it all up, I believe when you look at all of the leads, granted different you know, marketing metrics have different things such as yellow pages may get one result, direct mail may get another result, technician leads may get another result, big box retailers may get another result as far as closing ratios. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about all of the opportunities taken into consideration, you should net out at at least a 75% closing ratio, right? That's where you wanna be, max out of that, I should say. Um, I believe if you're higher than 75%, your prices are too low, you need to focus in on basically getting the uh, profitability above 20, 25%, and then you'll see that this ship will write itself, right at, again, a maximum closing ratio of 75%. So let's take a look at uh, some other KPIs and metrics that we can take into consideration. Well, if, how are we gonna get there? If, if, if that's the outcome, 75% is the max outcome, how are we gonna do this? Manage expectations. So we do that by saying, covered advisors are gonna run one and a half to, uh, leads a day. And what do I mean by that? Some days you run one, some days you run two, because you're gonna have two call closes. And we talk about the importance of that in the sales training that we do. When you get busy and the temperatures get hot or they get cold and the leads are flowing from your service department, then I'm okay with you giving a, a, a third one to a comfort advisor. But I don't want to do that every day. You're going to burn out your comfort advisors and you're going to, more importantly, burn opportunities and start, I think, damaging your brand. So again, I expect salespeople to work five days a week, sometimes six, not all the time six, but that's what I expect when we're busy is that they're going to run one and a half to two leads a day 
And then when we get busy, you will pick up Saturdays and uh, that third lead. Uh, 10 to 20% of the people don't buy a lean initiative visit. We know that, that's just proven. So what you need to realize is today's consumers are shoppers. 30% 30 to 40% should be quoted on an initial visit, 60 to 70% on a second step or a second visit or multiple visits depending on the scope of work and how uh, complex the job is. I believe uh, greater than 40% uh, first call quotes will be resulting in burning of leads, right? If you're quoting more than 40% on the initial visit, um, unless they're existing customers and their service agreement customers being flipped over by your technicians, that's a different animal, right? The closing ratio on those, I expect that the closing ratio on those to be 60 to 85% or better. And so if you're running a lot of them, then yes, quote more of them. Uh, but again, like I said, be careful because uh, overquoting can result in closing ratios diving, average tickets diving. And again, I think brand reputation suffers. And then you have a hole in a bucket. You're putting all this marketing money and opportunities into the top of the funnel, but fewer are coming out of the bottom because we're burning them. Two follow-up visits per day. Again, if you think about that, two new ones plus two follow-up visits plus windshield time, plus phone calls, plus lunch, plus paperwork, or digital documents and processing files and doing some job work and other things that go along with the job, that's a very full day for a comfort advisor. And you need them fresh and energized with every opportunity. So let's not burn out our comfort advisors and just send them out quoting and hoping, spraying and praying on opportunities. Again, damaging the brand, burning opportunities. Fewer is better. Again, you need to go ahead and triage the opportunities that you're getting if you're overwhelmed. If not, you need to hire more comfort advisors. Six follow-up phone calls a day or less. And again, if you're doing your job well, you're closing these out in person, so there shouldn't be a lot of phone call activity. Debrief after every call. You have to call in and debrief uh, what you did on that call and what the status of that opportunity is. If it's a phone call follow-up or email follow-up or text follow-up, if you happen to do that, I'm against it. But if you've made any communication, any contact with the customer, you've got to debrief the sales coordinator so that they can update the computer system. Again, some of you might be doing that yourself directly, so make sure you're debriefing within the system. From there, daily sales leadership, one-on-one. -on -one. You're doing a daily huddle, checking the temperature as a sales manager, as the owner of the company, making sure they're in a good space and that they're operating and that, you know, how did they do yesterday and, and checking in and what are their work plans for today, right? Weekly sales meetings, training and coaching is what I expect with my salespeople and then monthly ride-alongs. Everybody gets ride-alongs. You can't coach from the locker room, okay? We may talk about things in a meeting and how do I know that they're doing it at the home? The only way I'm going to know is if I get out on the field to play and see what it is that my people are doing. Now, those that are struggling or those that are newer, they get more frequent ride-alongs. But those that are performing and executing at the highest of levels and their numbers are in alignment, then again, uh, you, know, they get, you know, they get fewer ride-alongs. Don't think of the ride-alongs as a penalty. Think of this as an opportunity for you all to connect with one another and understand who these people are and and see what it is that they need and see what makes them tick and see what motivates them and create an environment in which you know they can feel motivated buy them a cup of coffee take them to breakfast buy them lunch you know just to show gratitude and thanks and that's what this is uh, is all about that's how the numbers come about all right a few other metrics that we've got here is compensation typically compensation again i don't care how you pay but you're going to pay uh, anywhere between six and twelve percent of revenue in my mind is how it shakes out i don't care if it's a salary salary plus compensation uh, gross, you know, uh, paid on gross profit, paid on net profit. I don't care how you do it. It ultimately should work out to be about six to twelve percent of sales, with incentives, with bonuses for performance. 
you're going to expect the people to work about f- up to four nights a week. I don't expect them to work four nights a week every week, but obviously when we get busy, up to four nights a week. Fridays are not good nights to work. Saturdays and Sundays are not good nights to work. Sundays, I leave up to my, my comfort advisors That's uh, at their discretion. We don't typically schedule for that unless you're doing flex scheduling and you're, you're getting complete coverage. But I do have somebody on call to uh, circle back with my technicians every weekend in case opportunities come in that weren't scheduled. Saturdays, again, I typically leave up to the comfort advisors to schedule until we get busy, and then we'll schedule those Saturdays. Now, Saturdays, typically I don't schedule them after uh, 4 p.m. on a Saturday. I'm just wasting an opportunity and time with my, of my people and with the customer. Fridays, I don't typically schedule after 4 p.m. either. And I don't expect my sales pe- uh, people <clears throat> to be in contact with the customer unless specifically requested before 9 a.m. Um, and so that's just kind of the, the way that we've chosen to work with the clients that we've worked with and in my own company over the years. Right? We increase change outs by 25 to 40%, meaning I can sell more change outs if I include duct renovations with them. Because again, I'm providing a better experience. So those of you that are just selling boxes and you can't get your closing ratios where you want them, you might think about expanding the scope of work, expanding the investment, and, and getting a more robust solution to truly solve problems. You can increase that uh, those sales uh, considerably there. You can earn 60 to 80% gross margin on a portion of your work that has little to no competi- uh, competi- competition. Meaning, by going ahead and adding uh, duct cleaning, duct sealing, uh, duct modifications, uh, you know, this is, like I say, the scope of work that nobody else is offering. And again, when priced properly, you should make 60 to 80% gross margins on that scope of work. We typically are optimizing for about a 45% gross margin on equipment only sales. So again, you can see uh, that type of work actually has higher margins. And yes, it may push you into another day uh, of work, but again, that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking to just box change. I'm looking to drive revenue, drive profitability. And again, keep, you know, capture and keep customers. I can be two to ten, I can uh, two to ten times increase in job net profits. Again, I, if I get the scope of work up and I capture more customers and a higher average ticket and, and uh, higher closing ratios with fewer marketing dollars now, again, I can go from two to ten times the uh, on an increase in the, the net profit of the job. All right. So keep in mind, uh, what I expect from a salesperson that I hire, again, is going to be based on, as the note says at the bottom here, it's based on their background, their experience, their wisdom, the skills, the talents, the years that they've been doing this, the years that the company's been in business, the marketing sources, right? Obviously, if you've got more uh, tech leads being flipped over from service agreement customers versus things coming off of uh, you know, Google, Google local services or your website, uh, again, I expect a higher closing ratio. So again, you got to take that all into consideration. So I'm just telling you what I expect from somebody who comes from outside the industry or is inside the industry and what I expect first year. I expect a uh, $1.2 million first year closing ratio of no less than 30 to 35%. I'm conservative because again, sometimes I get people uh, coming from outside the industry and I expect that consistently throughout the course of the year. I do, after three months, expect them to jump up to about a 40% closing ratio, and by the end of the year, be in that 40 to 45% closing ratio, meaning they're trending you know, upwards here. In year two, I expect them to go to at least 1.5 million. Again, being conservative, we can go ahead higher. You go to California and New York and you get the tickets that they have, then I expect you to adjust also for your area of the country. But again, that closing ratio then goes to 50% uh, plus consistently 
after three months is what I'm looking for there. And then by year three, I expect the covered advisor to be uh, approaching that or surpassing that $2 million mark. Now, certainly, I've had people blow these numbers out of the water. I've had people do over $2 million their first year. I'm just giving you a conservative look as to what you should expect when hiring somebody. Not everybody is going to be crushing it out of the park and be that you know, uh, home run uh, hero and champion uh, you know, of the league, right? Not everybody can be that, right? You need some role players, and that's okay. So these are some conservative expectations of roll to you know, upper middle players, if you will. So two million by year three average, that closing ratio again goes above 50%. Ideally, I wanna see it right in that 60, 65% range. Yes, the best will be up in that 75% range that I mentioned a little bit earlier, but that 60 to 65% range, hey, you give me that every day of the week, you give me a $2.5 million, $2 million, $2 million salesperson, I can build a team and I can build a multi-million dollar company that's making 20 to 30% net profit. Again, that max of 75%. Why max at 75%? Again, I want to reiterate, if you're, if you're consistently closing more than 75% of your leads, odds are they're either all coming from your service department, which is great, but again, I would then look to uh, the profitability of those jobs. Are you bringing the jobs in and hitting that 20, 25% net profit? So if you can go ahead and do that, you're crushing it. Again, what I look for in the long haul right now in, this, in these economic times is about 2.5 to 4 million uh, is readily attainable. I understand there are people out there doing a lot more. California, New York, certain markets may skew that way as well. But again, based on the metrics I've put forth, and limiting the number of opportunities to probably just under 500 uh, opportunities a year. I think when you run the numbers, you'll see that it's under 500 opportunities a year. These people can actually have a life. They can have some kids. They can have a wife or a husband and, and have an enjoyable life, right? It's about quality of life. It's not just go, going ahead and making these guys just run and beat the thoroughbred, if you will. So. Anyway, those are the metrics that we have on a deep dive in part one. We'll get into part two in another video. Um, and so until next time, if you have any questions, reach out. I gave you my contact information there on the last slide. You can have any questions. You are the source. You are the mission. As our members, we certainly do appreciate you being here. Those of you that are not members and you want to learn a little bit more and get a little bit more help and understand from a sales execution standpoint how to get those numbers where you need them to be, then consider joining EGI. Until next time. Awesome content right there from Drew, as always. Now, if you like this episode, feel free to share it on Facebook for us, right? And if you want to unlock more premium training to take your company to the next level, click the link in the Facebook post for a 30-day free trial. Well, that's it for this week, folks. We'll see you next week. And until then, bye-bye for now.